Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST be responsible for yourself. I and had a you spouse. Are not. Your name was not but could on that you have home. gotten that house without Michael? I could have gotten another home. But not mm. that one. That's true. But the home yeah. that you have that's probably, what, about $2 million? More. You could not have afforded on your own. True. Okay, that's all I'm saying. It's obviously a very sensitive topic for you still. Well, and I was maligned incessantly for seasons because of my generational wealth. Okay. And if you are able to attain the decorations that he put in these papers to distract you, you, I pray, will have that for your children, for the blessings Darling, that my family has bestowed upon you. that my children, when they are That's 30 all. years old, will have a home That's <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, our Housewives edition. So for this week, I'm just going to try something out. I think for now, we're going to do Housewives on Wednesday and then super, super summer house and Vanderpump rolls on Fridays. Now this creates a little bit more work for me than I anticipated, but we're going to try and hopefully we'll do it. Um, Let's talk about Potomac because, God, these girls keep firing on all cylinders and the reunion was no exception. So we had part one this week. And I mean, my God, if you think that the editors would maybe have the uh, ability to take a little break because we've already seen most of the stuff in the reunion, right? No, wrong, wrong. They still had a lot of fun. So much fun. We got to get into it right from the beginning, y'all right from the beginning when they're playing the clip from Reasonably Shady um, of Robin and Giselle talking about how, uh, you know, Juan had an uh, indiscretion and he met some thirsty woman. And 
we should maybe address this part. The, Robin kept suggesting that this woman was thirsty, wanted fame, putting this out there because she wanted clout. Why have we not heard this woman's name yet? You know, if she wanted it so bad. And really, like, it kind of seems like people are on her side. So that would be even more motivation for her to come out and be and tell the truth. But yet she's not done that. So does she really want attention or was she trying to help you out? I mean, she probably wasn't trying to help her out, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like if, if she wanted her name to be out there, she would have done it by now. Um, but I also want to talk about speaking of re- reasonably shady. Uh, it just came out that Eminem is going to be, or rather he's blocking, trying to block Giselle and Robin from using reasonably shady to sell merchandise, water bottles, clothes, whatever. Right. Um, on the basis that it's just too close for comfort because he's the slim shady or whatever. Um, now, I will say that this does seem like a bullshit uh, situation. However, I think they may have shot themselves in the foot on this because if you guys have been listening to Reasonably Shady from the beginning, I think even episode one, Giselle had like a call to action trying to get Eminem on the show. She's been trying to get him on the show this whole time. And that's probably what got him to know who these women are and to get them to sue or not sue, but like to file this uh, stop motion or whatever you call it. Um, (laughs) So while I do think it's silly, I just think that they may have uh, called too much attention to themselves. (laughs) And also I just feel like Robin just keeps karma just comes. The clown keeps coming back to bite on Robin. And for that, I have to chuckle just a little bit. With it being said, if it's like a woman versus Eminem, um, I'm not likely to be on Eminem's side unless it's like Candace Owens or something. So, well, let's not talk about her. Back to the the uh, reunion. Um, so just so funny. I also thought it was so funny that they played the clip. They also made sure to play the clip where Robin says, "If you guys want to hear more about this story, you can kick it on over to Patreon." <laughs> So they wanted to let her know and everybody housewife, uh, don't, you're not doing this shit again. Okay. Let, let the record reflect. And to be honest, I think that is the perfect move for this situation. A lot of people have been calling for Robin to be fired, for Giselle to be fired. No, no. If you guys want drama, then we got to stick this out and have Robin hold her light skin feet to the fire and actually answer these questions on camera. Now they did mention that there was some unseen footage from watch what happens live where Andy grilled her, um, about withholding the truth and selling info behind a paywall and then using Chris Bassett as a sacrificial lamb. Um, that was not all the footage that we got. They have saved (laughs) more footage of Andy grilling, uh, Robin for, uh, later in the reunion. And I cannot wait to see that footage. Then we get into our typical reunion mode. Andy's walking around backstage, checking in on the women as they get their glam done. He's asking Karen if she feels some type of way about Sharice coming to do the reunion. And she's like, well, no, I think it makes sense. Like you, you guys put her in the season every time you could. So no, I think she should be able to speak. (laughs) I also like that there was so much talk about the seating chart online and how like random it seemed that they actually did address it on the show because even the housewives were like, why am I sitting here? So Andy's uh, explanation wasn't that great. It was just like, oh, we, it's not just him that decides it. It's all the producers and that they... Now, I feel like we had all been under the impression that they, whoever's sitting closest to Andy had the best or largest 
storyline, right? And then we just kind of move out from there. But he said that it has to do with people getting along with each other. And because this cast, there are so many people that like don't quite get along that it they had to like have odd seating. I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. Like to me, why don't you do, um, you know, like Giselle, Robin, and I'm not going to do this in order, right? Giselle, Robin, Mia, whatever you know, combination, right? And then Karen, Candace, Wendy. Is that it? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, Ashley. Oh, and then, yeah, just put like Ashley on the side with Giselle and Robin. Like that makes sense to me. Now that I think about it, it should have been, okay, if we're talking about Andy, it should be starting with uh, Candace. And I think realistically like okay it should have been mia on the other side right because she had the other big storyline or maybe maybe ashley so maybe i don't know now that i'm thinking about it it kind of they did have to do it random it should be candace on one side ashley on the other and then on ashley's side i would have put um giselle mia robin and then on the other side it would have been candace and then karen or even Karen, because you can't do that because she's like the ground out. She didn't really have much of a storyline either. So yeah, okay, maybe this does make sense. <laughs> the point is, I felt like they were separating people that didn't need to be separated and it just didn't really make sense to me. Anyway, um, then we get into, should we talk about who was best dressed? I'm going to give it up to, in no particular order, um, Robin, Wendy, and Candace. I loved Wendy's like the the different shades of blue that she had coming up on her gown. I thought Robin's dress was really pretty. It fit her nice. Um, Candace was bringing a lot of drama. Andy tried to shade her about looking like Cookie Monster. Okay, I don't care. She looked great. And then we get to Ashley. Because Every, everybody else is kind of in the meet, middle for me. Ashley, who gave you that wig? Was it your mama? Was it your mother who gave you that wig? once we got more into the reunion, I'm thinking Ashley always misses the mark during the reunion every single time. Like she really blows Giselle out of the water in terms of like corny dressing. I don't like, it seems like every year she gets like the fifth best senior project from a local design school. And where's that one? You know what I mean? But the more I thought about it and the more we got into it, I'm thinking, gosh, does, does, uh, Milky Eyes, is he the one that who hires them? The glam team? Because that might make a lot of sense given what we heard, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, so we get the Jason and Luke of it all out of the way immediately. Giselle's very happy with Jason seemingly. And I also feel like Every time Andy brings up Jason, he forgets his name for a second. He's like, oh, Giselle, I heard you were dating a guy from Winterhouse. Um, Jason. Jason, right? <laughs> they never mention him, but I think it's so interesting. Also, I heard that they had been dating since like November or they had been seen together since like November. So I think this relationship's been going on much longer than we thought. Um, but... Ashley was the one who kind of hit up Luke and was like, what's going on with Jason? Jason's single. So he hits the uh, Giselle up in the DMs and, you know, love at first sight, I guess. And then Andy gets to Robin and he goes, Robin, hell is frozen over. You're a married woman. <laughs> and she took it. She was like, yeah, Andy, I am. Thank you. Um, 
Karen's yawning during this whole time. And that really, really got me. It really, really did. Um, Andy asks Candace if she knows uh, how to get to Sesame Street. And she just very quickly moves right over and says, oh, no, I think Ashley would. She's got the keys. Maybe ask her. (laughs) So speaking of Ashley, I mean, she doesn't have the keys to Sesame Street, not unless Michael's paying for it. But the segment is all about her, Michael, their breakup the LLC, the house that's bought under the LLC, Uncle Lump asking what the hell kind of life is Ashley living, whether or not she's actually getting a divorce, what the hell's going on. (laughs) But Ashley did say that, I guess because of their rules, they had to um, be legally separated for a year. So she, as of February, shout out to Black History Month, is able to finally file for a divorce from Michael. Milky Eyes Michael. So... She says that the new house is about seven minutes from Concrete City. Michael has a key. But don't worry about it because I have a key to his place. And like, you know, it's just if the nanny has a problem or there's some sort of issue. Like he wouldn't just pop by. We have a rule that you have to call at least an hour ahead of time. And, you know, don't worry about it, guys. It's fine. Everybody's looking at Ashley like, girl, that's not good. That is not going to work. And we find out that it didn't work because it happened to Luke. So Andy brings up how Ashley mentioned on an episode of Watch What Happens Live that she was on that she and Luke broke up because of something going on with Michael. Michael's jealousy or him feeling some type of way. Whatever the hell he did. So Ashley says that situation happened Luke came over for the weekend this is about a month into their relationship that it was a long weekend and Michael was supposed to have the kids until Monday no explanation as to why but he decided probably because he uh, saw on her uh, Instagram stories that Luke was in town and was like oh I'm gonna drop the kids off at on Sunday evening instead so I guess he gave her very little notice and then poor Luke had to hop on a train immediately because she says it wasn't just because of Michael. It was because, you know, they'd only been dating a month and, you know, she doesn't want to involve her kids, which is a completely fair thing. But I think it really speaks to this woman is truly under that wrinkled pale thumb and always will be. Ashley even said that Luke has been telling her or tried to tell her like, yo, you need to create better boundaries with Michael. Like this isn't going to work. And This was the first time that I actually felt like literally felt physical sadness for Ashley. It made me so sad for her. Oh my God. First, not, not this part. She says that she started to fall in love with Luke. That's not the part I'm sad about. I I get that. I mean, imagine, (laughs) imagine from where she came from, some dude who looked like Luke was suddenly like all about you and, and giving you consistent attention. Like, of course, Of course, you'd be like, my hero. (laughs) Andy tried to make at one point some point about how, you know, no disrespect, but, you know, if I were Michael and I had broken up with you and I saw you online on TikTok doing your dances and looking good and then you hear you are out with Luke, like, you know, I would maybe feel a bit impotent. Okay, we'll feel that. He should feel impotent. (laughs) He should be impotent. (laughs) That would be, frankly, a, a great thing for the world if that man is impotent. Did we get a final uh, answer on whether or not he got that vasectomy, as Ashley said that he was going to? He probably didn't. He probably didn't. Oh, God. And then, you guys, we get to 
the divorce settlement, the prenup of it all. I had been giving Ashley way too much credit. And that was on me. I will take that. This woman, I had been thinking this whole time, there has to be something that we didn't know. There has to be a game plan of Ashley's, a blueprint that she's got hidden in a safety, safe deposit box to like how she's going to map out this relationship and get out clean with some money and some kids. I think we all thought that. We all thought that when she re-signed that prenup and she acted like she was so happy about the results of it. And this was like a total reconstructing and and a refresh for their marriage. Well, it certainly was but not for her. This man screwed Ashley over the likes to which I hope to never see again. I have never seen a woman take an L this bad. Girl, Ashley, what the fuck did you do? Does she have a lawyer? Does she have a lawyer? Does she have a lawyer that was not hired by Michael to actually read through this and be like, you're getting screwed over big time, girl, and you should not sign this. Stupid. I can't even say what she, what happened. (sighs) Okay. So apparently what she said, the, the prenup was for, you know, pretty standard. He gets to keep whatever he made prior to the marriage, but anything that was made, we were led to believe during that marriage, she was entitled to 50% after a certain amount. Right. And she was sitting in that confessional, like, Oh, Kathy ate the canary. Like y'all, I did that. Don't worry about me, sweetheart. I got this. No, wrong. (laughs) Wrong, wrong, wrong. What Michael was able to do is to, or what he cleverly did, was use the money that he made from uh, whatever investments, whatever business he's, deals he made pre-marriage, he used those that money to invest into the businesses that he uh, made and created during their marriage. And so the way he was able to slippery dick his way out of that is by saying, oh, well, the money was from my pre Ashley days. And so the money from that I invested into those post Ashley, uh, accounts or, you know, businesses are also pre Ashley. So she doesn't get anything. Even if I made that money during our marriage, it still is like money from the past. Ooh, he got her. He got her. Not a lump sum, not alimony, When Karen is like, okay, girl, but is there any money that he made during your marriage that you might be entitled to? Her answer was, I don't know. Our, our prenup was so ironclad. I didn't really even look too much into it. What the fuck? (laughs) I, ooh, city boys are up a thousand. Michael, you slam dunked the hell out of that. You, three, three points. Can you do a three-pointer and slam dunk at the same time? I don't think so, but he managed to do it. Whatever move that is. Ooh. Ooh. Ashley claims that she gets money from, or she gets to, she gets the house. Yeah, great. <laughs> Congratulations, girl. You you got saddled with a $13,000 a month bill. Good, good, good on you, girl. Good on you. Maybe a little child support and some stipulation in there where if she falls on financial hardships and she's entitled to, uh, you know, some kind of compensation and he can like lift her up off the ground. I mean, what a dummy. To quote Monique in, in, um, Precious, you're a dummy bitch. Okay. You're a dummy bitch. 
it is so out of control. The women are so like, oh, what is going on? Robin and Mia are having their own little side conversation. Mia's been trying to say this. Just have another baby, Ashley. She's whispering to Robin, she should have had a third kid. And Robin goes, well, isn't two enough? <laughs> oh my God. I, I, how am I going to go to sleep at night knowing that Ashley fumbled the bag this bad? How am I going to do that? How have I been sleeping this whole time? Barely. You know what? Now that I think about it, I have been sleeping very poorly since Sunday. <laughs> and I think this might be why. I'm connecting dots over here. I really am. I'm so sick about this. Let's move on. Some lit, uh, viewer asked a question about, uh, you know, is it really true, Ashley, that the only reason why you're leaving Michael is because of the monogamy? Because he wanted to have threesomes. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Ashley claims that that's why. <laughs> then Andy turns to Mia and goes, Mia, you clearly don't share Ashley's commitment to monogamy. So how do you, you know, work that out? <laughs> he was asking questions that were extremely shady, not even reasonably so. And I loved it. So Mia says, it's not like they were still doing this wild lifestyle after they had kids. Things did have to change. But she knew that she wasn't going to be able to switch it up on Gordon. How she got him was how she was going to keep him if she wanted to keep him and to stay married. And that it wouldn't be fair for her to change that. And Ashley says, exactly. And that's why I decided to leave. Then we get to the read of the episode asking Ashley about calling Candace like three seasons ago, the least accomplished cast member. Now, how do you feel, Ashley, that she's got a successful album, you know, a flourishing music career? Are you going to continue to say that she's the least accomplished when, you know, you can't even pay for your own house without Michael? Is she the least accomplished or is that you? <laughs> and then Andy goes, oh, that's mean. <laughs> Ashley goes back into full pageant mode by, you know, answering very diplomatically, like, you know, I have apologized to Candace, but nobody is going to make me feel less than because I am accomplished. So then Candace is like, all right, well, um, you've been criticizing me or you have criticized me in the past for, uh, my mom buying the townhouse. And Ashley's like, well, I stand by that. I stand by the fact that as an adult, you need to be responsible for yourself. <laughs> Ashley, <laughs> you walked right into that. So Candace says, oh, yeah, and you're not taking care of yourself. Could you have bought the house that you're in without Michael's help? And Ashley goes, well, I could have bought a home, but could you have bought that home? No, that is true. I could not have bought the one that I'm living in now. So Ashley has to be like, tries to be shady. And it's like, well, I see um, that's still a sensitive subject for you. Like us talking about your mom. And Candace is like, yeah, because you guys have been going off on me for seasons about this. I was maligned for seasons because of my generational wealth. And if you're able to attain the decorations that Michael's put into his prenup to distract you, I pray that you'll have that for your children. <laughs> decorations. <laughs> And she's right. She's right. And this is why we have to love Candace because she really had no time to prepare that. This was not a talking head clever uh, quip from her. Decorations. Decor and that is the exact word. Decorations to distract you. <laughs> then 
again, the only thing that Ashley can really say about that is like, well, you best believe that when my kids are 30, they'll have a home in their own name. But you didn't. And actually, Candace could have taken this shit a step further by being like, uh, yeah, it's not even just the album. I had my, I got my master's while filming. And, um, secondly, this is where I would have gone. If we want to talk about being adults and not having names on our, uh, homes, uh, do we not remember the first couple seasons where Michael was bankrolling your mama? Right? Was not, was she, wasn't he like helping, Ashley's mom out and they have this whole storyline about him cutting her off financially because she should be able to take care of herself. So weird. Hmm. Like if we want to talk about mothers that provide, let's bring up to the table mothers that can't, shall we? (laughs) Ashley scored negative points on that one. Like we could even go deeper. Like let's really unpack this and say that, um, Ms. Dorothy you know, you might get a purse to the temple every now and again, but she provided the foundation for Candace to be able to go to college, to be able to start her music career, to be able to live on her own and do those things. And now here you are. Well, where are you, Ashley? <laughs> In a home that your ex-husband has the keys to with a $13,000 a month bill. You you don't have anything. <laughs> Barely. You could not afford to. So why would you even say <laughs> I would have shut my ass up at that point because there was no point that Ashley could make. By the way, you guys, I was haunted with the realization once again, because I keep forgetting probably for my own mental health. Um, Look up a side by side of what Ashley Darby's biological dad looks like. And Michael, I mean, (laughs) I I would just, if I were Ashley, go to a psychologist, just hand her a printout picture of the side by side of Michael and her father and just say, well, let's start with this. It is uncanny how much they look alike. When that segment's about to wrap, Ashley decides, and this is what made me super sad. She's like, you know, I just want to say that, you know, I did make some comments about Michael and our struggles with co-parenting, but I just want to let you guys know that, you know, he, we've made great strides and we're actually great co-parents and, and blah, 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 blah. I was sad for her because I was like, oh, she's afraid of him. Ashley's afraid of Michael. You don't need to like go on and and be like, oh, let the record reflect that I didn't actually like I want to take back all the bad things that I said about Michael weren't even that bad. It was just about how uh, baby Michael is um, saying like lashing out, basically. It really didn't even say too much about Michael, but. The fact that she felt the need to let that be on record and have to say that and like, I just, I felt like, oh, she's terrified of him. Maybe not like in a physical intimidation sort of way, but there is a dynamic there that she's like, I really have to play super, super nice with this guy. Otherwise, my off-screen life is going to be hell. It is. Then they cut to break and Giselle whispers over to Ashley like, yo, I thought you were supposed to hang out with Luke on Sunday. What happened? She says that he, they got into a little bit of a fight because he wanted to, he didn't want to fly out to Dulles airport. And she was like, oh, this means that you don't want to try that hard. And you're not really that interested in me. And so, um, they broke up. She's like, I think we're done. So, okay. (laughs) I mean, I guess, (laughs) 
just like not necessarily well I saw a lot of people from DC being like yeah I wouldn't want to fly to Dallas either so I don't know I don't really know how that how that all works, but y'all let me know. Um, so then we get to the next segment. It was about Mia. And really, it was about all the things that Mia said that she had that she doesn't anymore. Um, you know, the, the cancer, no cancer. Uh, her rental that she spent $65,000 on in Potomac. Um, her businesses. <laughs> Everything that she was talking cash money about, big shit about all season, doesn't have anything. Not a thing. Not one of them. None of them. Not even the bad stuff. So we get into the, like, the physical stuff and the rash that, that how we went from cancer to rash on her body. And the, it seemed like she was like, well, I gotta say something. So she said that I, something about them, like, she's on medication to prevent things from going on in her uterus so that she doesn't have to get a hysterectomy and how she wanted to connect with Giselle because Giselle had, you know, had a hysterectomy and was like, she's feeling, you know, I don't want to take my organs, my female organs away. I don't want to feel like less of a woman, etc. Then we get to Wendy's hot mic moment. And Mia's pissed. And remember episode one where Wendy was going off on Robin and Giselle for calling uh, Mia's cancer fake and then immediately ending that scene and talking to the producer about like, oh, yeah, Mia's lying. Mia's lying. So I think that Wendy maybe misspoke. Not Not that I'm on her side. I think she just said objectively the wrong thing, like incorrectly. I think what she meant to say was that like, she believed the rumors about as much as Giselle and Robin did. She just didn't think it was appropriate for them to talk about it on camera. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, she did own up to uh, saying it. She tweeted about how, like, oh, I had a hot mic moment. Sorry. Um, that's embarrassing. And but I mean, there's not going to be anything. She's not going to say anything. She does not care about Mia. She doesn't care about Mia. And then Mia gives it up just like kind of Ashley did to Candace. Not as bad, but we'll get into that. And Mia's only lashing out at Wendy's like, well, you know, I was going through that stuff and, you know, it's not like my husband was in the hospital recording me for proof, right? Because Wendy said, I felt like if you really had cancer, you wouldn't be going to a dermatologist. You'd be going to an oncologist. So Mia's like, well, you know, just because I don't have proof because my husband didn't record it doesn't mean that I wasn't. So, you know, this is where the mistake was. Not that Mia's wrong. She has every right to be pissed, but, but we know that Wendy is my man, my man, my man. So once you bring up the husband and how Eddie was there for her, that's all she's going to hear. She's like, yeah, you have a great point. Like my husband loves me. He got up at 5 a.m. to be there for me. And yeah, sorry, my man loves me. Maybe your next husband will do that for you. <laughs> so then we get to the business portion. And um, how the hell did you lose all your businesses, Mia, if you own them and you're such a boss and such a CEO? How'd that happen, girl? What's going on? YG, why does he not have ownership in either? What's what's really going on? How was your family able to get out from under you and steal all your businesses and why you guys have to move all these places? You have that rental. I truly, it will be an, an eternally confusing thing why she... Spent $65,000 on a rental. Huh? 
So this was a shit show. Her explanation was not great. Um, I'm going to try to clear up these very muddy waters with her and figure out. So here's the thing. She says she's a CEO. She owns more than 40% of their business, right? Gordon is still a managing member, but there were three managing members in this team of people, right? These two managing members voted Gordon out. So he was no longer able to have a say on like the day-to-day operations of the business. So Andy asked a million dollar question is why did they vote G out in the first place? And she says for numerous of reasons verbatim, um, Mia, what happened? This is really the question that we need answered. Her only explanation was that they, she and G, hooked up with some businessman heavy hitter and that the other members of the board got really concerned that maybe they were going to take over the whole thing. And so they just decided to vote them out as like a preemptive, uh, we think you're getting us, so we're going to get you first. That is wild girl so she goes on to say that because she owns more than 40 percent, she only really can get money once they sell those businesses which it looks like they're gonna have to do um they're in a bad way it seems and i knew that even if they hadn't um even if this had not happened we knew that they were in a bad way because remember what she said earlier this season like oh we they were opening a joint chiropractic office franchise. And she made mention about how there was a big business deal that fell through and that they were really relying on this new location because that deal fell through. And I just feel like if you have, what did she say? 14 different franchises, even if that split three ways, for example, I don't feel like your finances should be, so precarious that it's all resting on the 15th franchise. Like that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not explaining this correctly, but imagine if you don't want to show Mia explaining this about three times less correctly than I did. <laughs> and the reaction of all these women, laughter, confusion, Andy's got questions. Giselle's got questions. Karen's got questions. Candace has questions. Wendy's got questions. Uh, Mia's got questions, it seems, but we're not getting any answers. So Mia eventually just gets so annoyed because Wendy and <laughs> Candace are just laughing. <laughs> Wendy and Candace are just laughing. And I don't think they're like really trying to be mean. They're just like, you're just saying a lot of words and it's not making sense. And you don't even seem to understand what's going on with you. So Mia gets upset and is like, you guys don't understand business. So I just don't want to talk about this. Next question. Could we move on to the next question? But then Giselle comes out of nowhere. I had not heard this. Maybe y'all did. She drops this embezzlement claim. Embezzle? Embezzle? How did I not hear this? She seemed to have like a pretty tight situation or story here. She says, it looked like you and Gordon were using your business accounts to fund your lifestyle, to get that rental that you guys got for the show. But Mia's like, girl, if I were stealing, I wouldn't do it on TV. But then Giselle says, well, maybe I think maybe you were trying to get ahead of the story. (laughs) She says, 
that they had multiple rentals across the country, bi-coastal, as she puts it. Now, granted, those places were in North Carolina and, I believe, Maryland, so on the eastern seaboard, but alas, she says that she's bi-coastal, but they had to give up those apartments in Charlotte and Maryland and whatever, so now they're living in Bethesda in a penthouse. Okay. (laughs) Mia says at this point, she and G and the kids are living off of whatever savings they have left and whatever she's taking in, probably from the show. Not good for them. Not good for them. What are our predictions for Mia and G? Like, we all think that this is maybe like two more seasons of their marriage and then it's going to be over, right? Like, and I will never forget when she said, um, I think they were at Karen's live show where they made mention about, oh, about Jacqueline and getting the car and stuff like that. And how, um, you know, it was under like Gordon's name or something. But she said something about like, why do you guys keep thinking that Gordon's bankrolling everybody? Gordon doesn't have any money. (laughs) I feel like she really told on him and herself in that moment. We take a little break and during one of the breaks, Grace, Giselle's daughter, ends up calling while she's on the driving in the car. And Andy goes, I just wanted to let you know, Grace, I'm your daddy. This might be a good time to tell you. But then Giselle hangs up the phone and she goes, I don't know if this is inappropriate, but like, have you ever had sex with a woman? Now, if you know Andy, if you've read his books, we know that he's a gold star gay. Never been there. But he says he very much wants to. And um, Giselle says, okay, you're 54 now. If you haven't by the time you're 60, I'll do it. He seemed kind of down for a second, but then he was, I think that might be an HR issue. (laughs) But honestly, like, I know this wouldn't work, but I do kind of like the vibe of them together. Like, if Andy were attracted to women and she weren't, you know, his employee, I, mm, (laughs) it kind of makes sense. We wrap up the episode with our Candace segment. There's a little bit of unseen footage with Giselle saying in a confessional that after they wrapped this current season, season seven, um, Chris DM'd her saying, I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable, but I'll be honest. I've been very angry about how this has been played out and some of the words that have been used. And that's why I've been a little bit hesitant to reach out. There was like a whole thing, but that's what we saw. Giselle seems to think that this is her gotcha moment that like, oh, he admitted it. He finally admitted that he did something wrong and he apologized. So case closed and we're good. (laughs) But as soon as they get out of that clip package, Andy is like, I don't really think he was admitting anything. He said, I'm sorry if you felt bad. But Giselle's like, no, no, that was an admission. And even Candace's like, no, it wasn't. It was not. It was not. And I want to let the record reflect that, um, he Chris said that DM before we all saw the show airing and you saying all those things that you did about Chris being a sneaky link and trying to see if Giselle was with it. So Giselle at first was like, I didn't say anything. I didn't tell different stories to different people. Like, what are you talking about? What did I say about Chris? that was so bad when she brings up the sneaky link stuff and, Oh, I have a lot of men hit on me. And you know, I just felt like Chris was trying to see that was down. Um, Giselle does apologize. She's like, I'm sorry. I should not have said that. I should not have used that word. And my bad. So Candace is pissed. She's like, you need to apologize to Chris too. She's like, I will. When? After this. Are you apologizing to me? Yes. When? Right now. Okay. (laughs) She's pissed. So Candace says, I'm not upset about you feeling uncomfortable. I'm upset that you waited until the show aired to say anything. To earn your check. So fortunately, we find out that um, 
there is good news. <laughs> That's nothing to do with Giselle. Um, she was able to do the egg retrieval. She's got six embryos. Uh, she's crying, crying, trying to find a Kleenex. They couldn't find it under all those feathers. <laughs> Fortunately, Andy gave her one. But then we get back to Giselle and how she was one of several people. First, she denies saying this, but then we see the clip where she does telling Robin in a van, oh, I heard my friend told me, because she tried to play it off like, oh, that was Ashley's friend. No, she tells Robin in that van, my friend told me that he touched her booty and was flirting with her. And then we see all of the other women's reaction like, oh yeah, I heard that. I heard that too. I heard that too. Who did you hear that from? Giselle? I think so. Ooh. Then Robin, who should not have said anything, said the worst and the most ironic thing that she could possibly say for a woman who hid the fact that her dude was talking to some chick in the DMs and then uh, bought her, paid for her hotel because she lost her credit card and then just left the hotel immediately. Robin Dixon says, uh, can we all agree that it's probably not the best idea for a married man to be in a hotel room with a single woman? Like, I don't think we should miss that message. Uh, don't worry about it. We didn't. <laughs> Nobody missed that girl. Not a one. No, no definitely didn't. <laughs> girl. Girl. I cannot believe she said that because it's not like... This, like, we get to the reunion and this just didn't make it to air the one accusation. She knew the boldness for her to say that, knowing and going through what she went through with Juan. <laughs> Comedy queen, Robin Dixon. That was funny. Andy says, honestly, if I'm going to keep it 100 with you guys, Maybe it's because I'm gay, but it just kind of feels a little bit Victorian that two adults of the opposite sex can't go into a room and have a innocent conversation. I agree. I've been kind of saying, like, especially with regard to, like, Vanderpump rules, a lot of people were coming for Sandoval for yelling at Stassi, Lala, Katie. And I thought, <laughs> I've been thinking this whole time, like, okay, did you hear the people that he was yelling at? <laughs> Because that makes sense to me. But I just feel like there's this sort of, like, weird dynamic where, like, men can't talk to women and women can't talk to men. And there's some sort of uh, way that we have to go about things that I don't necessarily is, think is true for a lot of cases. I would say this is probably, like, a 70-30 situation where in most instances, and maybe this is because I have, like, guy friends and the guys that I have met, like my friends' partners, I've formed like friendly enough relationships with that I don't think that like most of my married girlfriends would have an issue if I were to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with their husband or text them like Maya did to Carl. Like that's just my reality. So, but I know that that's not everybody's truth because most of my friends are also people that I've known for, uh, you know, a decade or more. And there's just like, they know what it is. They know what time it is. Like if I wanted their man, I would have <laughs> taken a long time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so Giselle tries to make some point about, you know, I know that there's this theory that like, I'm always talking about people's men. Like she was doing this mocking voice, like 
she's talking to us like the audience like oh you guys I hear what is going on in the streets and you know I know what you guys are saying about me and how I'm always coming for marriages and men blah 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 but I'm not doing that um so she tries to point the finger back at Candace but but like you know Candace you talked about Juan in the past you've talked about Michael in the past (laughs) but Candace is like girl you're not about to play all lives matter this is not an all lives matter moment with me girl everybody's talked about Juan everybody's talked about Michael you pointing the finger specifically at Candace about that no no you've talked about Michael what are you talking several times Giselle claims that she wasn't going to say anything about Chris until Ashley started bringing up the DM that she got from him Candace says I want to add that I saw Giselle between the time that we wrapped the last year's reunion to the time we started filming this season and she didn't have anything to say until those cameras were up so Giselle's like I didn't see you flashback to a picture of her at one of uh, Candace's album release parties or something. She was there. They were there, right? Kiki in in front of that step and repeat. So Giselle was like, well, I just didn't think that that was the time to tell you when you were so happy. Like as if she hasn't taken a happy moment and just like burst somebody else's bubble. Please. You went up to Mia at Karen's celebration of life spring fling taco party and accused her of not having cancer now granted she didn't have cancer but that was an opportunity that maybe was happy and we didn't need to talk about whether or not somebody was faking cancer you know that's i don't know what the appropriate venue for that would be but probably not at a place uh that says they're gonna have tacos but then actually doesn't so giselle's trying to be like oh i wasn't gonna say that at your party but candace is like But you said it on national motherfucking television. You're not smart. Like, you're not slick. I know what you're trying to do here, right? Instead of talking about your uterus and what's happening in your personal life, you lie on people. And then she says, your dwindling uterus was waiting to have you put it on television. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Candace, no. Candace, why no? Why? Why did we have to go that far? She has had a Jordan year of a season I do not co-sign her saying this I think it's kind of like in Mortal Kombat at the end where they the person's just like back and forth and bloodied and bruised and they're just like finish him and then usually you know somebody will do a roundhouse kick to the head and that'll be it but then there's that one guy who just like takes your throat out (laughs) from the neck and just rips your spine out and that's really what candace did by mentioning her a dwindling uterus and i just oh that was a lot that was too much it was too much that was too much i'm still rocking with you candace because the anger was justified but that i can't i can't do that girl okay let's move on to new jersey when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I actually asked her to be in my wedding. And then, you know, she said no. I wish you never asked her that because, I mean, not for nothing, like, you're still upset with the fact that she said that, like, she was there for us. When she's in prison, Joe wasn't working at all. So they had no income. That Teresa Went to Prison show was able to be made because Joe needed to make money on that show and he needed someone to film with. And right. here we were that jumped in. The only times we really saw them was when okay, we were Okay, guys, let's get into New Jersey for this week. But we got to talk about what happened on social media before we get into this episode (laughs) i don't know if i'm having a great time talking about new jersey like i am but i'm not but i think that i might feel that way with basically all of my housewives with the exception of potomac and miami but we're chugging through we're chugging through um we'll get through this together i think but here's the thing there's a lot to talk about so even if I'm like a little bit annoyed by the whole situation, Joe Gorga, um, you know, we're going to we're going to get into it. So um, Joe Judice, I'm assuming, is still kicking it down in the Bahamas. That's I think as close to the United States as he's allowed to get at this point. But um, he's living there. I'm assuming the Gorgas kicked it on down there. They happened to see him in a hotel lobby and there's a video of them hugging Um I thought my initial reaction was like, Joe Judice doesn't really seem that into it. He's like taking this moment in, but I don't think he's really happy. It's just like, I'm going to keep it cute because we're in public, right? I'm not trying to get into any more trouble, so to speak. Um, So I was thinking that and I just went on with my day, but nobody else did apparently. So uh, what happened was, God, after that was posted, then... Things got messy between the Gorgas and the Judices. What is this? Part 375 for this day, frankly. So, Joey Gorga's caption under that video was, Both walked into the same bar at the same time. A lot of history here. We have memories since we were kids. I'm happy he's doing well and looks good. We were both happy to see each other and catch up. Glad somebody caught it. Hashtag life. Hashtag R-H-O-N-J. Now, side note, I would suggest you guys follow Joey Gorga if you're not. This is an ironic follow. The way this man posts, like, the worst memes using only pictures of himself with these, like, motivational quotes. And usually the caption is like, what do you think? And it'll be something really dumb. Like, let me look one. No, because somebody complained that I, I divert too much, but just, just go, just go and look at it. It's a, it's a really fun follow. Never does it often make sense or really seem like something that should uh, come out of one's brain and like into another person's thought space. So I would suggest that. But anyway, <clears throat> Gia responded, This is honestly comical, knowing you were with him for not even five minutes and were able to have somebody take a video of the interaction. Meanwhile, all you have done is talk so poorly about my father. You were such an opportunist to take advantage of the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see my father and use it for a post. Now, baby... A once in a lifetime opportunity. That was a, the part that I feel like people missed out on. Ref- 
a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to meet Joe Judice? Like, I know that's your daddy, but don't you think that's a little much? Like, I wouldn't say that. Well, I, I would say it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see my dad, but that's because, you know, he's dead. So at this point, it would be. But other than that, I think if he was alive, I wouldn't. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> was that too dark? Oh, well. <laughs> So then Joey Gorga takes things way too far, in my opinion, by responding to Gia. Now, I'm told that Melissa first responded to her and then deleted it. And then Joe responded something else that was basically very similar to what Melissa originally tweeted. So he said, or not posted, you know what I mean. Um, He said, we both said horrible things about each other. It was a nice moment. We have a lot of history. Get the hate out of your heart. Uh, What is wrong with this man? These people are wild. But here's the thing, you guys. I'm going to tell you right before we start this episode that I've seen a lot of the social media reaction to this episode. And while, excuse me, I will be going into Joey Gorga and how lame he was. I also think that we need to be real here and also recognize that Teresa has uh, equally contributed to the dysfunction of the state of the union between Joe and Tree and Melissa and now Louie at this point and the rest of the family. Like, <clears throat> let's not lose sight of that. There are a lot of petty moments that Teresa should take responsibility for, but never will. There are a lot of things that she took farther than they should have. There are a lot of situations where she should have said something or should not have said something and then did the opposite. Like, I'm not gonna act like all of a sudden this is like Santa Teresa. Not not me. Not on this podcast. I'm not doing it. All right, so let's get into the episode. Um, you know, we pick up where we left off. We're at Danielle's backyard for the mozzarella party. Teresa is going back and forth with Melissa because Melissa thinks that she lied about uh, Teresa placing them in a different... <sighs> you hear me? Like, I'm so fucking bored with it. What are we doing? They, neither of them want to give up the ghost. So I just feel like, what are we doing here? Why are we having 5011 conversations? Why are we doing this? I mean, they make, they don't make up. They hug. Let's be real. They get to a place where um, they're just like, oh, you know, I want you to be happy, Teresa. I've wanted nothing but the best for you. I want you to find your happy ending. Teresa says, thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. If you want to be a bridesmaid, then, you know, you can and Melissa's like, girl, <laughs> I'm good. Like, I'm genuinely good. And at this point, like, do you really want to offer that to me? It's kind of like you just fucked up. You're like the boyfriend that just fucked up and came back and wants to, like, ask me to hang out. I'm not, I'm good. Really, I'm fine. And then they hug. Okay. More, you know, and then what does that do? <laughs> what does that give us? About 14 seconds of peace before the rest of the episode with them. Uh, but let's go over to Dolores's house. She's going uh, in the front yard because the photographer is back. Now that uh, Frank got all the poop out of his body or whatever happened that landed him in the hospital, he's lost a bunch of weight. Um, and so now he's going to come to the house to do the calendar shoot. He's going to be Mr. April. And he is going to be doing an Easter themed photo shoot, right? So Paul's there and he goes, oh, so Frank lost a bunch of weight. Does he look like a French fry now? 
I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is just like some sort of Irish joke that I, you know, potato humor. I don't know. But we find out that Paul and Frank have this like kind of buddy buddy thing. It seems more like a frenemy ship if you will, where Frank said that Paul looked like Buzz Lightyear at last year's reunion. And so Paulie was like, oh, well, you look like Mr. Potato Head. So now they have like a good back and forth thing. Kind of. Ish. Um, so Frank comes over and Paul's like, yo, sorry, I didn't come to visit you in the hospital. You know, my spaceship took a lot of space. I couldn't find parking. So Frank says, just to let you know, I hit up the rest of the guys in the group chat we're going to go out for a guy's night. Paul, you're invited. And Paul immediately looks over at Dolores. And he's like, what are you doing? You, you got to look at her. You got to find it out. <laughs> something. She's like, no, don't worry about it, Frank. Like he just wants to know if we had plans or something like it's not a big deal. And Frank says in a confessional that he and Paul didn't really start off on the best foot with each other. And now the dynamic between he and Dolores has really changed. But he feels like if they would just hang out, if he and Paulie would just hang out, they can get back to their original dynamic, meaning um, Frank gets to just be like doted on by Dolores. Like he has been for all these decades now, even though he's given her nothing and cheated on her. And he just gets to be like the lovable guy, you know, sitting at the Island, getting a sandwich made for him. And like, you know, talking about the good old days and all the, all the women that he uh, fucked behind her back, you know, haha, good one. It was so weird that she might want to be in a different relationship with a man who actually loves her and is attentive towards her and, you know, won't cheat on her. God, you know, knock on wood about that one. But, uh, uh, yeah, so weird. So weird that you want to go back to this dynamic. And, um, Frank, you have a girlfriend. Do you really want to go back to that dynamic that badly? <laughs> Do you? Your kids are grown. They're fine. You're living... <laughs> In her ex-boyfriend's home. Maybe you need to ch- switch up the dynamic, my guy. Like, let's let's really look in the mirror here. I mean, I think we need to recognize that, like, the subtext to this is probably that Frank is worried about, like, being pushed off the show now that Dolores has a romantic partner. I mean, let's be real here. But, like, he, I think Frank is fine. I think Frank is fine, at least for another season. The Paul says something that I didn't really un- understand, like... He says, to be frank, Frank, uh, I just felt like maybe you would take me aside and kind of tell me how the family dynamic is going. But, you know, I feel like there's a different thing going on with y'all. And so Frank says, well, yeah, it just seems like we kind of just communicate like Dolores is our conduit. We communicate through her. And Paul goes, well, yeah, um, you really can't let a woman do a man's job. But like, don't worry about it, Frank. I got her now. What? Excuse me. <laughs> and then I had to be on Frank's side because he says in a confessional, like, how else was I supposed to talk to him but through Dolores? I don't have his phone number. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> I don't know. Like, g- good. You got her. We- we've we heard it now. We've heard it. She's heard it. But you got her. I'm just really confused as to what Paul thinks that Frank owes him. You know? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really get it. Anyway. Marge and Melissa have lunch with Jackie. Um, Jackie's trying to work, work through her food issues. I believe she has a book coming out soon. And, you know, I'm sure they meant well, Marge and, and Melissa. But I don't think you're supposed to say somebody who's in, like, recovery, like, you look so good. You've never looked better. My husband said you've never looked better. That sort of thing. Like, you, you know what I mean? I just think that we maybe should avoid that. But that's another conversation for another day. So Jackie's upset because she didn't get invited to, to 
Jackie's upset because Danielle didn't get didn't give her an invitation to her mozzarella party. I love. Sometimes I I am taken aback by the sentences that I'm allowed to say. Like I'm recording this shit and I'm gonna get paid. <laughs> We're talking about a mozzarella party. Like, God bless. May I truly am very blessed. <laughs> like, hold on, come with me for a second. When you were younger, maybe this is because I'm a Pisces. Um, actually, uh, my birthday's on Monday, by the way. If you guys want to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts on Spotify because of it, uh, I wouldn't be mad about that. But anyway, um, do you ever think when you were younger, like, gosh, if I could just see, like, a flash of what my adult life would be like, I would love to see that. Just a quick flash forward, look through the crystal ball moment. And then I imagine myself sometimes, like, okay, what if 13-year-old Kara is looking at a 36-year-old Kara in a Kylie Jenner hoodie talking about two women uh, scrapping called Housewives um, scrapping at a mozzarella party. Like, podcasts did not exist. Housewives did not exist. Kylie Jenner barely existed, you know? Like, none of these things I could have ever pictured for myself. And so I really have to, like, uh, look at me. All right, let's get back to reality and talk about Jackie. She's feeling some type of way because she wasn't invited to the mozzarella party. And they're like, yeah, Danielle said something about you, like, looking her up and down, kind of checking her out. She felt, like, weird about that. And Jackie goes, yeah, I'm going to tell you guys, like, I would never look at people like that. But I did. I did do it to Danielle because you guys, she looked like a train wreck. Like, honestly, I couldn't look away. It looked like she took her shorts out of a hamper. Like she looked horrible. But if she felt some type of way about it, she could have called me. (laughs) So Marge says, this is maybe the only thing she said. "Um, Are you going to tell her? Are you going to tell Danielle that her outfit looked bad? And Jackie goes, no, I mean, her wardrobe is punishment enough. (laughs) That was a good one, Jackie. Then they start to talk about Jennifer and how they think that she might be going through stuff, probably with her marriage with Bill, and she keeps lashing out. And I've been seeing it, like, both every episode this season, she has kind of snapped at Bill. Like, don't talk to me right now. I don't want to hear it. She's upset with him this episode. Like, it's not good for them. It is not good. But we're going to talk about that in a second. But then we get to Rachel Fuda's uh, segment where she has her very adorable, very adorable child do um, what she says is one of dozens of photo shoots that she forces her daughter to do because she's just the cutest child on the planet. I know everybody says that their kid is the cutest one, but mine is actually literally the cutest one. Okay. Um, She's just not like jumping off the page for me, you know? And I hate to say that because she has a compelling storyline. Like she wants to have kids. She's got a two-year-old, a three-month-old. <laughs> and now she wants to have another kid. They, She's clearly traumatized because of a miscarriage that she had and how they were never able to conceive naturally after that. So they've got five little embryos in the freezer and she wants to defrost one of them and ASAP. Okay. They want to have a nice little four, core four children. And, and that's what she wants. So she wants to get on this pretty quickly. She says the process of IVF is like a year, but John is like, I would like to wait a year before we start over again. But Rachel is like, I don't understand. How can he want to wait? How can he have any hesitations when he's not the one who does anything? He's not the one who has to get his sunroof cut open. He's not the one wearing diapers after. I don't know why he wants to wait. But girl, you got to listen to that man because 
yes, the physical and emotional toll is taken mostly on you. However, if somebody says, I don't want to have a kid right now. You got to listen to that, you know, because that's not fair to them either. Or you to put somebody in a situation where they don't really want to have a kid right now. Like that is a 50 50 decision, in my opinion. After that, that's really more on you. But yeah, I, I'm kind of on John's side. It's quick. Then we get over to Tree's house. She's doing her mantras. I am love. I accept love. I love. Love, love, love. Yoga. Whatever. Gia walks in with a salad. She's about to go down to the shore. Down, Excuse me, down the shore, as you say. And asks Tree, oh, I think you'd really like the salad. Do you want to try some? <laughs> Teresa says, no, I'm trying to lose 10 pounds before the wedding. And Gia just goes, it's a salad. <laughs> Right. Um, so then Louie comes in, Gabby Hadid comes in, and Gia says, rather, Teresa tells Gia about the conversation that she had with Melissa, bringing up the engagement party, and, uh, you know, why does she wait all these months later to call me a liar? And Louie chimes in, is like, yeah, coming from the liar herself, like, Melissa's a liar. So Gia says, well, she has to do that. And then Gabby comes in. So Teresa says, listen, I know, like, wh- how many times have we heard Gabby speak over the past? <laughs> Wasn't she bored out of the sh- Like, she was a baby on the show. I feel like we've only heard her speak, like, five times. But she's like, Gabby, I know you don't like the drama. I know you don't want to be involved. But then she tells her about Melissa and the conversation they had at the mozzarella party. And Gabby's like, okay, well, how did you leave things? So Teresa says, well, I invited her to be a bridesmaid. And... Melissa said no, but Gia's like, gosh, well, I wish you hadn't even invited her. Like, I don't know why you even asked that because you're still upset with her about what she said. Exactly. Why are you inviting her if you're still mad at her? What is the point? Like, let's not even do this. (laughs) We're just setting each other up for another thing. And thank God, shout out to Melissa for shutting that down and being like, no, I'm really good. Like, don't, we're not doing this. Like, we don't fuck with each other. It's fine. Like, I really don't want to do this. So Melissa and Joe were on her podcast talking about how the, you know, tree in prison, Joe Judice spinoff wasn't really going to happen. Joe didn't have anything going on. He didn't have anybody to film with. So they decided to film with him because otherwise it wasn't going to get greenlit. So they decided to jump in. I mean... (laughs) What about that is incorrect? You know, I mean, is it something that they needed to talk about? Probably not. I don't know why we would be talking about that situation now, but it's probably not incorrect. But the way they twist it and what they end up being upset about down the line, I don't think is actually what they intended on saying. So, you know, again, it's just like, what is it all for? You know, what are we doing? Clearly Gabby didn't listen to the podcast. So she says, okay, well, what was said? I feel like they presented that to her a little bit differently. They're like, oh, you know, she just wants to look like a good aunt. She's just saying this for attention. And then Tree says that she remembers the girls coming to visit her while she was at camp every week and reporting who was there for them during that time. Gabby says it's hurtful because that was like five years of her life. It was stressful and they remember who was there for them. And Gabby's like, it's just really hurtful. And I take that to heart because it directly affects me. I don't 
fault Gabby. Like, Gabby's only responding to the information that she's given. And I don't disagree with what she's saying, but I also don't think she's being given... I mean, I'm only operating with the clip that we saw. If they said something else, fair enough. But I didn't hear it. I'm only working with the information I'm giving, and so is Gabby. But I, what I feel like I'm hearing and what Gabby's hearing are two different things. Like, let's be real. Joe, Judice, couldn't have been working at that. Like, he legally could not work. So, he, I mean, you know, like, who was going to be hiring him other than Bravo? And if he didn't have any other people to film with and they're like, oh, let's like just do him a solid here. Yeah, I mean, it's shitty to say publicly, but like, that's, that's a tea. I don't love Louie kind of being in on this because I do think there's an ounce of truth to Joe saying like, you've only, you don't know the entire history. You've only been here. And he says a minute, but like in the grand scheme of this 20 year up and down relationship that they have, two years is not really that much, you know? So Louis says that he doesn't feel like Melissa moves without Joe. Like she's not taking one foot and step of the other without him. They're running in tandem and it's time that the train needs to stop. Okay. So then we head over to the city. Danielle and Melissa are going to some showroom so Melissa can pull for Envy. Danielle now has her bougie kids boutique and she wants to learn more. She wants, she's trying to get like Melissa. She She's trying to get to that point, <laughs> whatever, whatever point that is. But anyway, Melissa brings up Jackie and, and how she said that it looked like Danielle's shorts came right out of the hamper. And Danielle took that so well to me. She's like, yep, see? I can spot that shit from a mile away. I knew she was a judgy bitch. I knew it. I knew it. She's just jealous because my legs look better. <laughs> so then Danielle, ooh, she reveals herself to be the Teresa in her own story. She talks about how she was really close to her little brother forever. And then things took a turn. Starting with the pandemic, she was like, you know, bored at home and is like, I'm seeing all these kids on YouTube make millions of dollars just doing product reviews and so she's decided to do that on instagram so her brother she thought jokingly was like yo uh, your social media activity is really annoying so she's like oh okay well block <laughs> not really thinking of it like okay if you don't want to see my content then i'll just block you no big deal to her right he calls her upset she's thinking that they're just having a lighthearted conversation she's like i didn't think that he was serious when he was actually calling me upset like why did you block me oh you're not going to be in my wedding anymore. She's like, I just literally hung up and went on about my day. So Melissa's like, okay, so you haven't spoken to him in two years. I feel like I'm missing something because it's got to be about more than just Instagram. So then Danielle says, listen, my brother was planning his wedding and I got a little too excited. Maybe I inserted my opinion a little bit too much. She says, in a confessional, you know, I always wanted a sister, very tree, you know, I just wanted to be able to do things for her. And one day her brother was like, okay, it's not all about you. She was trying to plan events and, and this, that, and the third. So Danielle says that she is always going to come from a place of calling people out because she doesn't want her family to be broken up. So she sent a text message saying, I understand who I'm dealing with now regarding the, the sister-in-law, right? Things went left everybody in the family got kicked out of the wedding. That was two years ago. And now she's blaming the wife. She's mad at the wife. So Melissa goes, okay, as the wife in my situation, I'm going to play devil's advocate. And I'm always behind the scenes, try to get Joe and Tree to resolve things. But unless Joe wanted to, 
he's a grown man. I can only try so many times. And at this point, I kind of turn a corner with Melissa. Because between that, I don't know if you guys watch What Happens Live. Watched Watch What Happens Live. But I have a feeling that, like, Melissa doesn't feel entirely supportive of all the outbursts and escalation that Joe does. But she doesn't really feel like she can say that. And maybe she feels like my well has run dry with requesting that he calm the fuck down. And so I, my hands are tied here. That's what I kind of feel like she's thinking. And it's one thing to like have a partner and support them publicly and then take them aside privately. But I'm also just getting the sense that Melissa is growing weary. You know, I think she is maybe being a little gentle, more gentle on Joe than he should be. She should be. Because to flash forward a bit, at Watch What Happens Live, they asked Melissa what she felt about Joe's outburst later in the episode. And she was basically like, yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't have reacted that way. And like, you know, that's not how I would have done it. But <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Like, what do you want me to say? That's my husband. <laughs> Speaking of people who um, have the opposite problem, let's kick it on over to the Aiden household, shall we? Queen Olivia, standing in the middle of the kitchen in a, a sleep t-shirt. <laughs> Bill's very confused. He's like, why are you wearing pajamas? It's the middle of the day. She's like, I'm a kid. I can get away with anything. And then she does this pose where she flips her hair back. <laughs> that is a ham. Why is she not like doing acting classes or something? So Jennifer is trying to basically bribe the kids into doing chores since they just fuck around and they'll like, you know, take the Dyson out and then leave it in the middle of the floor three minutes, seconds later. But Bill is coming from a different place of, I would actually like my kids to do chores and actually do them. And maybe do them without being paid $14 an hour. (laughs) I just like, there are kids who had to do chores and there are kids who got paid to do chores. And guess which one I am? Uh, The former. I don't know that life. Getting paid to do chores, bitch. I wish. So Jen says that she kind of babies the kids and would just rather do it herself, do all the chores herself. And says in a confessional that part of that reason is because of Bill's cheating coming out. And how she really didn't want the kids to find out publicly that way, which is entirely fair. But it's also not going to help in the long run. Like, your kids can't say at 25, I don't know how to vacuum because my dad fucked somebody else. You know? (laughs) Life doesn't work that way. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, Jen tries to come, have like a come to Jesus moment or a, a nice moment with Bill where she talks about how Marge came for her at the mozzarella party and said that she's not self-reflective. But Bill, I'm like the most self-reflective person, right? Right, Bill? Bill? Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. 
Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Huh? <laughs> he is like, um, define self-reflective. Like, what does that mean? I, you know, everybody has their faults. Nobody's perfect. And now Jen is pissed. And I get it. I think this is one of those things that's like maybe irrational, but you want your partner to stick up for you, even when you're wrong. You know, Melissa, he, she's looking for a Melissa to her Joe and she's not getting it like at all. And I feel for her because I think this really is like a larger conversation between she and Bill. Like she doesn't feel like he advocates for her, loves her, cares for her. She's always feeling like she's like on an island with herself, just trying to keep this whole family afloat, but she's not happy and he's not trying to make it any easier for her. So even though like on the outset, yeah, he's trying to hold her accountable because she was being silly. <laughs> like she is wrong, but that's not what she wants. She wants him to just support her. You know, she doesn't want him to always be playing devil's advocate with her. And I get that. Like, why do you always have to see everybody else's point? Like, part of this has to be that you feed into my delusions just a little bit, you know, for love. That's what love is. And if he was filling her love tank in other ways, she might be more accepting of him, like, trying to, you know, have a come to Jesus moment with her about her faults. But that's not happening in other spaces. So now she needs it in places where maybe it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? But let's move over to Danielle. And I got to tell you guys, I think, I think I'm a Danielle. I think I might be. I'm down bad, y'all. I started off this whole scene being like me, childless Kara. Like, okay, what, this four-year-old missed a, a recital or something? Like, she'll be okay. It's fine. But then Danielle sets up this whole thing in the living room with her family and her mom and her dad and Dominic. Dominic's got flowers for her little sister and she's talking about Mondrian and, and Jackson Pollock and, and she knew things and I thought, oh my God, that's so cute. That's like the cutest thing. I almost cried, you guys. <laughs> I, it really took like 45 seconds to be like, oh, look at her. And she looks so happy and she seems so proud. And like, those were the moments where she's, it's just like, it felt like watching a girl like get confidence and like be smart and speak up for herself. And I just like, oh, I love to see it. <laughs> I really did. It was very cute. It was very cute. I had to take it back. I had to take it back. Your girl's a softie sometimes. It happens. Anyway. Then they start talking about the dynamic with the family. Her parents are divorced, but they never got along after until she gave birth to Dominic, where she was like, y'all gotta get your shit together or... <laughs> you're not getting access to the kids. Like I'm trying to build a family here. So keep it cute or put it on mute. So they decided to keep it cute. We also find out that Danielle's not the only one who got ousted from the brother. Her mama got it too. So the only one who's talking to him is the father. Her dad is like a lovely little meatball of a man, like exactly what you want from a, a overly emotional Jersey father. Is that like, you know, exactly what crying, self-tanner the whole thing I loved it um you know I don't love his pain but you know what I mean um he just wants a family bag he's like you know I I think about you going at the hospital saying I got a baby brother <laughs> I think about that every day Danielle 
<laughs> and I just want the family back. And then they, they go and get a, a shot of limoncello in the middle of the day to calm down. You know, I mean, what? <laughs> everything. They got everything. So then we go down the shore to Melissa and Joe's or Missy G's house, right? The beach house. Is that what she calls it? Um, so her mom and sister come over and this scene was bullshit. They sit down and Melissa's like, did you get invited to Teresa's wedding? I didn't remember. Did I ask you that? How could I have possibly not known? But did you get an invite? <gasps> you didn't? I am shocked. I did not know this information until we sat down and filmed. <laughs> And this is where I think people are going left with Melissa and Joe is and getting mistaken and, and like riding really hard for Teresa is that uh, shout out to Maya. We were talking about this friend of the pod. Teresa now has something else going on. And so she's got the wedding. She's got her new extremely tan man. Um, and she's got other things to talk about. Whereas Melissa and Joe only get to talk about Teresa and it's not really, ugh, it's annoying. So now Joe Gorga is hot, hot in the pants, pissed off. How dare they? They did not invite my in-laws. I invited Joe Gorga, Joe Judice's in-laws to my wedding. Like, how is that possible? It's so disrespectful. You've been nothing but a saint to my parents. You were always around them hanging out. How dare they? He's going on and on about my parents and uh, the history. 20 years. I'm Vicky. I'm Vicky. I'm Vicky to the bullshit. I just like... I'm tired. I'm tired of this. Like, if as soon as he starts a monologue about the past, about his parents, about the decades that has been going on, I just, like, I tune out. I don't care anymore. Like, I cannot hear this anymore. And I think we're all on the same page about this. Like, it has been 84 years. We know it. We know. We know how long you guys have been dealing with this. We know that your parents have passed away. R.I.P. But I feel like they're probably up there in heaven. Like, get somebody else to do it. I want to kick it here with a fucking Frank Sinatra. You know? It, but now I got to keep watching you guys get into it. And I, I can't deal it. I can't. So Melissa's mom is like, why don't you try to talk to Louie about it? Joe says, I did talk to Louie. But what he says is that he texted Louie after the reunion and said, uh, tell my sister to apologize to me. And Louie said, I don't think she's going to do that. So now in Joe's mind, Louie's making everything worse. He's supposed to make everything better. But now here he is making everything so much worse. He called Melissa immature. Uh, you know, I'm going to confront him at guy's night. At guy's night. So then we get to guy's night. The OG dudes are there, you know, Frank's ordering his sour apple martini as he's wont to do. And apparently uh, the rest of the guys in, are in some sort of uh, fraternity. So they're going to be hazing John Fuda and Danielle's husband and the new one. Okay. Well, we're going to get them. They were pulling like a Tamra. We're going to get them naked wasted. But you know what? John Fuda, he was prepared. So he came, he pulled up to the party with, um, Frank, I got you some adult diapers, some Tums, some Pepto-Bismol. Because I already told y'all I was going to drink you under the table. And I am that bitch. And you know what, John Fuda? Respect. Frank is feeling some type of way about Paul, who doesn't show up, by the way. And the dynamic and how he put his feelings aside so that Dolores could be happy. What do you mean? <laughs> if I was his girlfriend, I'd be like, oh, what did you mean by that, Franklin? What do you mean? 
So Louis shows up late. So all the guys are now knowing what the hell uh, Joey's feeling, how he's pissed off. So as soon as Louis pulls up in his peace sign t-shirt, somebody, one of the guys yells, check please. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, me too. I'm I'm out of here. Bye. Ugh, unfortunately. Joe starts this argument off lame as fuck. Lame as fuck. One of the guys is like, oh, what are we doing for the bachelor party? Lou is talking about how he wants to do separate and then come together at the end of the night. The men and the women. And Joe is like, oh, yeah, well, um, so who'd you invite to your bachelor party? And Lou is like, what do you, what? <laughs> what does it matter? No, I just, like, want to know, like, who'd you invite to the bachelor party? Like, are these people that you love, like, the, at the wedding? Did you invite, like, special people? Like, how many people did you invite? How many? And those, these are people that you care about, right? Yeah, so um, I just wonder why you didn't invite Melissa's in-laws. Because they're, like, really important people. So, <laughs> you know, I just think it's funny how my side of life is excluded. And everybody else gets to be involved. I just think it's fucked up. So Frank asks Louie, well, why weren't they invited? And Louie's just like, well, you know, it's a lot of past bullshit. So Joe says... You have to give them respect for how they treated my parents. Like, Louie doesn't have to do anything. He's never met your parents. I mean, no shade, but like, that's really on Teresa. Why are you mad at Louie? I was surprised that some of the guys were co-signing Joe. Not because of what they said. I'm just surprised that they like wanted to get involved. They were, well, the Italian ones were all like, yeah, that is kind of a slap in the face. Like, I'm Italian you know, it's kind of like a fuck you to not invite the in-laws. Like that, you know, we don't do that. So Louis says, well, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of slapping in the faces happening here. <laughs> and Joe goes, okay, well, who's doing the slapping? So Louis says, okay, well, this week on your podcast, you said if it weren't for you, her kids wouldn't have eaten. Which, was that in a different part of the podcast? Because that is a reach, I think. Right? Like, to quote Ashley Darby, that's putting a little sauce on the situation that didn't need to happen. Like, it's bad enough. They didn't need to say that. But, like, I don't think they said our kids would be, like, orphans or, like, you know, like, fucking Oliver. Oliver Twist. If, um, you know, if it weren't for them. I, I, I don't know. So Joey claims... Which I don't believe, you know, I took care of my sister. I called her every day. And then Louis says, well, I live with your nieces and I hear a lot. So. <laughs> and Joe says, you've only been for here for a minute. And you need to be quiet and you should be embarrassed to even bring this up. But Louis says, you can do whatever the hell you want. You know, Joe calls him a tough guy. He's like, fuck you, you're a pussy, blah, blah, blah. I'll break your balls. He's punching the table. He's getting all, I'm tired of this bullshit. <laughs> okay. Louis says, I did talk to Teresa behind the scenes, but she is a 50 year old woman and she put her foot down. What do you want me to do? Joe says, well, you need to tell her that she's out of line. And he says, I did, but she wanted to stand her ground. So then John Fuda says something about how an older sister in an Italian family, she's supposed to be the guiding light to a younger brother, almost like a mother, blah, blah, blah. And Joe's like, you know, I'm just hurt. Louis, I'm hurt more than you could ever imagine. And, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be hurt. So Louis goes, you know, Therese is hurt too. I think you guys should talk. 
And then Joe says, well, I don't want to talk anymore. So what the fuck are you bringing this up for? <laughs> Why are we having this argument if you don't want to solve anything? You just want to yell at him? It, okay. <laughs> yell at him about something that is ultimately not his responsibility. And something that he is now saying that he tried to do, but yet she didn't want to do it. So why are you mad at him when this is Teresa's choice? And if you don't want to talk to Teresa about it, then shut the fuck up. Why are we even bringing this up then? So Louis says, your sister deserves to hear your feelings and you deserve to hear hers. But then Joe says in a confessional, I know my sister. I know that she's not going to want to move forward. She's going to find a way to blame me for not sticking up for Louie. But he says, you know, I'll think about it to the rest of the guys. But don't. Don't bother. We're fine. You know, we don't need to do this. Okay? We're good. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Thank you for speaking. Um, yay. If you want to check out the Patreon, next week would be a great week to do it because it'll be the beginning of the month. Uh, the first is on Wednesdays, where do I drop my episodes? And we're going to be talking about the Murdoch murders, the Netflix documentary, what's happening in real time, etc. So oof, hop on in, y'all. Thank me for speaking. <laughs>